of the world is within you. Sacred and worthy is your soul. A place has been made for you. Welcome to the First Unitarian Society of Denver podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of the mind, the heart, and the spirit. You may also visit us on the web at fusden.org or find us on Facebook. This week's selections come from First Unitarian's online service held Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. The homily, titled Lies, Looting, and Liberation, is by Reverend Alicia Ford. Good morning, First Unitarian. Thank you for joining us today for our online worship this uh, another warm day in August. Uh, I hope wherever you are, you are staying well. Uh, somebody answered the other day when I asked them how they were, they said, well, I'm pandemic well. And I thought that was a good way to phrase it. Uh, I am also pandemic well. I hope you are pandemic well. I want to welcome Reverend Alicia Ford back to our pulpit this morning. She's been here many times before. I've known Alicia for something like 20 years, and uh, rumor has it she's going to bring the fire to us a little bit this morning. Uh, Reverend Alicia, you may or may not know, is the director of the Unitarian Universalist Association Office of International Affairs. So uh, anyway, warm welcome to Alicia and uh, warm welcome to you wherever you are. And uh, welcome you once again to our worship today. Join me in this time of rest, this time of stillness, some call prayer, some call meditation, some call being. These words adapted from the Reverend Christian Smith. Spirit of life and love, be with us in this time as people suffer, as families and communities grieve, as violence rages. Be with us who feel the pain of loss, who feel anger at injustice. Be with the marginalized and cultivate compassion in the hearts of those who hold the power to change our material world. Help us remember that, remember that though we are interdependent, ours is the task to center the most vulnerable, always. Hold us as we grapple with all the ways in which forces of nature can upend our lives. Remind us that even in uncertainty and the unknown, we belong to each other. We are each other's. We need each other. And we cannot build a beloved community without each other. Help us to remember the hope we had, the hope we have, and the hope we will have. Help us to hold the complexity of our joys and our sadness our successes and our challenges, and our knowing that we are enough, even as we yearn for more, for better. Bless us as we strive to be better versions of ourselves, co-creating a more equitable and justice-oriented version of our world. Give us rest and give us the courage to keep forging ahead. So may it be, blessed be, and amen. As always, I love sharing in worship 
with you. My only regret being that we could not be together in person because what it means to be together has shifted in the past, past few months. I am deeply grateful that we can gather in this way, that we care enough about each other and the communities of which we are a part to worship, to build sacred space while practicing physical distancing. How wonderful it is to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of each person in our community by gathering virtually. Virtually, How wonderful a thing to celebrate our interdependence in this time of turmoil by keeping each other safe. As always, I am so deeply honored to be with you. Maybe you've heard this poem, this rhyme that begins in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I grew up, as some of you know, in the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. That poem, that rhyme was woven into the fabric of my childhood, a yarn of an explorer who with his three ships, the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria, and happy crew set forth with pride to discover the new world. Hailed as he was, as brave and as bright, he encountered kindness and traded food and spice. What a grotesque and distorted fantasy. Maybe you learned it in school, as I did. Maybe you'd be surprised to know that some children today still learn it in school as history, as truth. A history that renders invisible the violence of an explorer and the empire in whose name he traveled. An empire that in 1493 declared and established via a papal decree that European explorers had the right to claim land, to claim waterways that they discovered, to treat as subhuman any peoples already inhabiting that land, to plant flags and spread the ideology of empires funding their lust for domination. And so it began, or maybe this is but one way in which it began, this putrid body of white supremacy that has been armored in lies, truths twisted to benefit power structures and increase the wealth of empires who sent mercenaries into well-established lands to colonize, Christianize, and dehumanize. They came, and they looted land, bodies, resources, enriching their own coffers, planting their flags of supremacy on our black, brown, and indigenous bodies with political and religious decrees that declared we have no right to be, making it the case that to be black, to be brown, to be indigenous is to exist in a state of constant precarity, fearing that one's life, one's livelihood, can be, will be, historically has been, looted. Loot, that Hindi word that means spoils of war or other goods seized roughly. Co-opted by the British Empire, or dare I say, looted by the British Empire, to describe soldiers' pay and imperial seizures, riches that remain locked in museums for visitors to gape at, while the countries from which they were stolen fight to recollect pieces of themselves and bring them home. So when the news cycle tells us that Black Lives Matter protesters are looting, don't believe them. Gar 
guard your political and cultural curiosity and imagination. Remember that our faith calls us into a free and responsible search for truth. Pause and think. Is there a true comparison between stealing a TV and maybe groceries and stealing a nation, stealing a people, stealing economic resources that once sustained entire communities? Is there a comparison between throwing rocks through store windows to signal discontent with political systems that rest the weight of their might on the backs of black and brown people, even as some of us are hailed as frontline heroes, laboring and dying during a viral pandemic that could have been curtailed had someone cared. Is there a comparison between rocks thrown and raining terror on countries like Afghanistan and Yemen, the latter being destroyed through the sale of US weapons to Saudi Arabia? Now, stay with me on this. The search for truth is seldom comfortable or easy. Is there a comparison? between toppling statues erected to celebrate the agents of white supremacist expansion and the very reality that those statues exist in the first place, signaling to a population what those in power think matters, who matters, whose life and truth and history, suffering, precarity, being and joys matter. There is no comparison. As I sat down to work on my homily, I felt like looting as a topic was dated. The new cycle has moved on from covering the worldwide resistance that sprang up in the wake of the state-sanctioned murder of George Floyd. But it is still relevant. It is still relevant as we who believe in liberation, in freedom, as a matter of faith, are faced with the real possibility that our political and cultural imaginations are being looted as corporations like Amazon literally loot black, the Black Lives Matter discourse in a rush to appear woke, posting on its website words that point to solidarity, showcasing black movies, virtue signaling, all for the purpose of making millions, even as it denies workers the right to rest, to decent health care, to urging a wage that is sustainable. Our political and cultural imaginations are in danger of being stultified with the removal of statues, with gestures like real estate agents pledging not to use the term master bedroom, the renaming of streets and bridges, praise for the painting of Black Lives Matter on streets, all of this. All of this makes a difference, but, and as Brother Malcolm X wisely said, the white man will try to satisfy us with symbolic victories rather than economic equity and real justice. And friends, we should be about real justice. We should be about to quote Saidia Hartman, abolishing the structures that maintain death as our norm. We should be about the work of the poet, destroying to build what we can become when we dream. And what we destroy is that putrid body of white supremacy. And we do that by removing the armor of lies to make room for a loving and liberatory truth that has its foundation in justice, that looks like public reconciliation, that isn't afraid to make amends through ongoing reparations, which 
which could include, if we're dreaming, defunding the police. But let's not stop there, defunding the national security state. Now, let me take a moment. I want to take a moment here to deconstruct this defund language. <laughs> Remember, guard your political and cultural imagination in the search for truth. Defund does not mean stop funding completely, though that would be an incredible path. Defund does mean, it does mean that there is no reason for the defense budget to be over 50% of the national budget with education, health, housing being under 20% combined. Defund means that there is no reason that armed agents of the state should be deployed to do the work of deliberately underpaid social workers. Defund means that war should not be our government's response to everything, whether that's war waged at the border or war in our streets or war waged in another country's streets. So what we want to destroy is that putrid body of white supremacy which could include, if we're dreaming, defunding the police, defunding the national security state, and investing in education, investing in community health, in safety that does not ignore the precarity of black, brown, and indigenous trans, cis, queer bodies, which could include economic equity and healthcare that isn't bound up in employment. It could include employment that is required to offer living, sustainable wages with humane working conditions. It could include immigration policies that are grounded in solidarity and recognize America's complicity in shaping the realities that often force migration. That, all of that, be a movement towards liberation. Let it not be that we settle for having our imaginations looted, our yearnings pacified by fanciful yarns and only symbolic victories. There is so much more work to be done. The way forward may not be clear, but that is part of the work to co-create to follow the lead of those who have been agitating for liberation for so long. Come. Let's build what we become when we dream. Let's build what we become when we dream. Let us become. Let us become what we dream. And beneath our diversity, there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together throughout all time, through life and death, and the space between the stars. Throughout all time, through life and death, and the space between the stars.
How beautiful to be in this space with you, dear ones, to create worship together, to be together in this way. Friends, love, justice, and liberation for this world that is right now is our goal. Let us use the dreams of our spirit to inform the works of our hands, grounded as always in the creative power known by many names, including God, that holds us and transcends us. Come, let us be. Come, let us become what we dream. So may it be. Blessed be. Amen.